Chapter 11 of The Restoration of the Gospel by Osborne J. P. Widso. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Wayne Cook. The Plan of Government. At the organization of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints on April 6, 1830, the Prophet Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery were accepted and unanimously sustained as the spiritual teachers and leaders of the Church. It appears that there was no further attempt at that time to perfect the organization. Indeed, while the Church numbered but few members, it was unnecessary to have more officers than those indicated. The few members were banded together for mutual benefit, and for the time being a leader was all they needed. In the revelation given during the organization meeting, a recorder is also named, and the official position of the young prophet is pointed out. The Lord declares, quote, Behold, there shall be a record kept among you, and in it thou, that is Joseph Smith, shall be called a seer, a translator, a prophet, an apostle of Jesus Christ, an elder of the church through the will of God the Father, and the grace of your Lord Jesus Christ, being inspired of the Holy Ghost, to lay the foundation thereof, and to build it up unto the most holy faith. It was not long, however, before the church grew to such proportions that more working officers were needed than those two or three first appointed. As it was in the days of the Saviour, when he called the twelve, and the seventy, and other workers, so it was in latter days. The phenomenal growth of the church demanded the completing of the organization, and completing of the organization is all that was needed. The nature and extent of the organization were themselves already made plain. In the invaluable revelation on church government, the officers of the priesthood are named in order. There the Lord speaks of apostles, high priests, elders, bishops, priests, teachers, deacons, high counselors, and so forth. At an earlier date, even than that of the revelation on church government, the Lord made known to the prophet Joseph Smith, Oliver Cowdery, and David Whitmer that there should be in due time twelve apostles. But the plan of church organization and government was perfected gradually as the growth of the church demanded. At a conference of the church held in Amherst, Ohio, January 25, 1832, and again at a general council held at Independence, Missouri, April 26, 1832, the Prophet Joseph was acknowledged and sustained as President of the High Priesthood. The Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, consisting of three members, was not effected, however, until March 18, 1833. Ten days before, on March 8th, the Prophet had received a revelation in which it was commanded that he should continue in the ministry and the Presidency. Moreover, the Lord said, quote, Verily I say unto thy brethren, Sidney Rigdon and Frederick G. Williams, their sins are forgiven them also, and they are accounted as equal with thee in holding the keys of this last kingdom, that through your, the prophets, administration they may receive the word, and through their administration the word may go forth unto the ends of the earth, unto the Gentiles first, and then behold and lo, they shall turn unto the Jews. End quote. Accordingly, on the 18th of the month, Sidney Rigdon and Frederick G. Williams were ordained to be the first and second counselors to President Joseph Smith. Thus was the earthly presidency of the Church established in the dispensation of the fullness of times. 
other quorums and positions of presidency were likewise organized as need demanded on december eighteenth eighteen thirty three joseph smith senior father of the prophet was ordained patriarch of the church by the prophet joseph oliver cowdery sidney regden and frederick g williams and less than two years later it was decreed and a special revelation on the priesthood that quote, it is the duty of the twelve in all large branches of the church to ordain evangelical ministers patriarchs as they shall be designated unto them by revelation the order of this priesthood was confirmed to be handed down from father to son and rightly belongs to the literal descendants of the chosen seed to whom the promises were made little less than two years after the organization of the presidency of the church the promise that there would be appointed a quorum of twelve apostles was fulfilled it was sunday february eighth eighteen thirty five brigham and joseph young had come to visit the prophet they sang to him and worshipped together the spirit of god was poured out upon them and the prophet declared that he wanted to see together the brethren who had gone to missouri the summer before in zion's camp he had a blessing for them he said accordingly a meeting was appointed for saturday february fourteenth eighteen thirty five when the men of zion's camp were assembled the prophet addressed them at length he declared that there was a divine purpose in the trials and hardships endured in the march to zion and return in the afternoon session of the meeting the prophet directed that the three witnesses of the book of mormon should proceed to select twelve men to be ordained apostles of the lord jesus accordingly oliver cowdery david whitmer and martin harris were blessed by the presidency of the church they then proceeded to select from among the men of zion's camp twelve men to be ordained apostles of the lord jesus the twelve men were named in the following order lyman e johnson brigham young heber c kimball orson hyde david w patton luke s johnson william e mcclellan john f boyington orson pratt william smith thomas b marsh and parley p pratt the first three named were then ordained to the apostleship that same day february fourteenth eighteen thirty five the next six were ordained the following day sunday february fifteenth parley p pratt was ordained on february twenty first and orson pratt and thomas b marsh who were absent on missions were ordained in april eighteen thirty five thus was the quorum of twelve apostles like that appointed by the saviour during his personal ministry again organized in this dispensation footnote zion's camp was the name given to a company of volunteers who set out from the eastern states to carry assistance to the saints in missouri in the fall of the year eighteen thirty three the saints who lived in jackson county missouri were driven from that county by a lawless mob and all their lands were confiscated the exiles found refuge in clay county from there parley p pratt and lyman white were sent to kirtland to report to the prophet the condition of the saints in the west the prophet was distracted by the news he inquired of the lord to learn how zion might be redeemed and received a revelation in which he was instructed to call for volunteers from the strength of the church young men and middle-aged to march to zion to redeem it this band of volunteers was not to exceed five hundred nor was it to consist of fewer than one hundred immediately the brethren in kirtland began to prepare for the work of redemption recruiting officers and solicitors were sent to all the branches of the church by the latter part of april eighteen thirty four 
volunteers began to assemble in Kirtland. On May 1st, the first advance was made in the eventful Thousand Miles March. A little more than twenty men, with four baggage wagons, proceeded from Kirtland to New Portage. Not many days later, the Prophet, with the rest of the recruits at Kirtland, joined the camp at New Portage. There the now-famous Zion's Camp was organized into companies of twelve, with a suitable division of responsibility for a long march. From there the march proceeded through the states of Indiana and Illinois, picking up recruits on the way until there were in the company two hundred five strong and faithful men, with twenty-five baggage wagons. Naturally, such a march of a thousand miles was full of trial and hardship. It was a march well designed to test the faith and the characters of those who made it. Some were found wanting in the sterling qualities necessary for the leaders of a chosen people. Others never lost sight of the noble purpose of their mission, and therefore retained their spirits unruffled till the last. It was fitting that such men as these should be chosen later to lead Zion. Zion's camp was disbanded June 25, 1834, at Rush Creek, Clay County, Missouri. End footnote. At some time before the calling of the Twelve, the Prophet had seen in vision not only the organization of the Quorum of the Apostles, but also the organization of the Quorums of Seventies. The Church had made such phenomenal progress, and the missionary labor was so extensive, that more busy workers were needed even after the calling of the Twelve. Therefore, on the 28th of February, 1835, the church assembled in council, began to select from the faithful ones left from the Zion's Camp expedition, certain men to become seventies. Seven men were ordained presidents of the quorum, and sixty-three others members. These seventies, said the prophet, quote, are to constitute traveling quorums, to go into all the earth whithersoever the twelve apostles shall send them, end quote. The quorums of authority thus far re-established may be considered in a way as dealing primarily with the spiritual affairs of the Church. Even the First Presidency, while they may advise in temporal matters and take active part in them, seem to have it as their first duty to stand between God and the Church, administering in spiritual things. It was not the intention of the Lord, however, to provide only for the spiritual welfare of His people. The temporal welfare of the people was also necessary to the satisfactory fulfillment of their missions upon the earth. Therefore the Lord restored also the authorities whose principal duty it is to take care of temporal affairs. In a revelation given February 4, 1831, while the prophet was visiting in Kirtland, Ohio, the Lord said, quote, I have called my servant Edward Partridge, and give a commandment, that he should be appointed by the voice of the church, and ordained a bishop unto the church, to leave his merchandise, and to spend all his time in the labors of the church, to see to all things as it shall be appointed unto him, in my laws in the day that I shall give them." Edward Partridge was a prosperous merchant of Kirtland. The prophet said of him, quote, He was a pattern of piety, and one of the Lord's great men, known by his steadfastness and patient endurance to the end. End quote. Elder Partridge accepted the call of the Lord, forsook his merchandise, and was ordained on the very day of the Revelation the first bishop of the church. And in the following November, several elders came to the prophet seeking to know the will of the Lord concerning them. The prophet received for them a revelation, 
containing not only instructions for them, but also "certain items in addition to the covenants and commandments." There, among other things, the Lord says: "There remaineth hereafter in the due time of the Lord other bishops to be set apart unto the church, to minister even according to the first." The following month Newell K. Whitney was called by revelation to be bishop over the church in Kirtland. Since that day other bishops have been called, as need has arisen, until there are in the church at this present writing more than seven hundred acting bishops. Thus the quorums of authority and presidency in the church were restored as the growth of the church demanded. Each one, in turn, was appointed by special revelation until the organization was completed. Besides the important revelations on church government already noted, two other revelations were given dealing particularly with the history and duties of priesthood. From them we learn that twelve deacons constitute a quorum of deacons, twenty-four teachers a quorum of teachers, and forty-eight priests a quorum of priests, that the bishop, besides presiding in a general way over the district where he is appointed, presides particularly over the lesser or Aaronic priesthood. From these also we learn that ninety-six elders constitute a quorum of elders, seventy seventies, a quorum of seventies, and all the high priests of a district of the quorum of high priests in that district. Thus, from the first presidency to the deacon, the organization of the priesthood is complete and perfect in its operation. Besides this perfect organization of the priesthood, there are other helpful divisions and organizations that have been called forth by the growth of the church. The most we can do with them here, however, is merely to mention them in closing. First is the territorial division of the church. For convenience in government, the church is divided territorially into stakes, wards, branches, missions, and conferences. Kirtland was undoubtedly the first stake of Zion to be appointed in the history of the church. Concerning Kirtland, the Lord said in 1832, quote, For I have consecrated the land of Shinha, Kirtland, in mine own due time for the benefit of the saints of the Most High, and for a stake of Zion. In the dedicatory prayer offered in the Kirtland Temple, 1836, the Prophet Joseph Smith said, quote, We ask thee to appoint unto Zion other stakes, besides this one which thou hast appointed, that the gathering of thy people may roll on in great power and majesty, that thy work may be cut short in righteousness. End quote. Other stakes were appointed. Today the church numbers more than sixty stakes, each presided over by a presidency of three high priests and a high council of twelve high priests, with several alternate high councilmen. As the church is divided into stakes, so the stakes are divided into wards, each presided over by a bishop and two councillors. And the world at large, not included in the boundaries of the organized stakes, is divided into missions, each presided over by a president. The missions, in turn, are divided into conferences, presided over by conference presidents, and the conferences are divided into branches, likewise presided over by branch presidents. The church grew rapidly to such dimensions, however, that it needed even more assistance than these organizations and divisions could render. There has grown up in the church, therefore, a number of auxiliary associations. The Relief Society, an organization of women, was organized under the direction of the Prophet Joseph Smith in 1842. The Sunday School was organized under the patronage of Brigham Young in 1849. The Young Ladies Mutual Improvement Association was organized as a retrenchment society 
under the supervision of President Brigham Young in 1869. A similar organization of the young men was effected in 1875, though there has been such an organization in Nauvoo. The Primary Association for Children was organized in 1878. The religion class was organized in 1890. All these auxiliary organizations serve to lighten the labors of the priesthood and of the home in instructing the children of the saints. Gradually, then, another act in the great drama of the Restoration was accomplished, an act of many scenes. But the achievements of the act have aroused, and continue to arouse, the wonder and admiration of the civilized world. In the church organization, every point is carefully wrought out, from the highest and the most important office to the lowest and least. Indeed, the perfection of the institution precludes the thought that it was devised by man alone. Not another so nearly perfect organization is to be found in the history of the world. End of chapter 11